BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co. Let me talk about stories. The crazy name is D'Angelo Russell. The guy that they traded away, Nick Young, who we had a problem with, is gone. Magic Johnson, who wanted him out of there, is gone. Everybody who was on that roster is gone. The the Nets are going to move on to Kyrie Irving, probably. They could bring him back. They could trade away all those other number two picks, and they could bring him back, and he actually might be a fit for them on their own. What makes sense? Everybody to the Lakers Legacy Podcast, where it is banana boat season. Banana boat, banana goat. Luckily for the Lakers, they got two goats in a boat. And right now, I am in Hawaii, Oahu specifically, sitting in a hammock and drinking from a coconut. Tommy's in Connecticut. Tommy, do you have a coconut in Connecticut? No. That's too bad. Alan, where are you vacationing currently? In my home. Do you have a coconut, though? Um... There's some coconut water in my home that I do not consume. That's good enough. Speaking of coconuts, it's NBA free agency season, and the Lakers have a bunch of coconuts to give. (laughs) Okay, yeah, so it's pre-agency time, and we're going to go over free agency combos that we want the Lakers to look at, whether they have a max cap slot for a third star or whether they divvy up that money and also talk about some veteran exception guys that the Lakers can look at if they end up filling that max cap slot. But before we do that, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and interview us on iTunes. The more you rate and interview us on iTunes, that's how much more money the Lakers will be able to free up in order to get the max amount of cap space that they can avail of this offseason. Um, also patreon.com slash the Lakers legacy podcast. If you want to help us out financially in any small way. Um, with that said, before we get into our free agency combos, I wanted to ask you guys 
with regards to the top level max stars that are out there, Kawhi Leonard, Kyrie Irving, Kemba Walker, Jimmy Butler, maybe we even put D'Angelo Russell in there, uh, Chris Middleton, which guy would you most like the Lakers to sign from an objective level in terms of this guy would immediately make the Lakers the number one favorites? And then secondly, and your answer may be the same for the second question, which guy are you more emotionally attached to for personal reasons that may, and it may be a narrative reason as well that you would like the Lakers to get just based off of, I just think it would be cool to get this guy. Alan, let's start with you. So, I mean, I feel like I'm not cheating, but like giving the super obvious answer by saying Kawhi would vault us into, you know, that that championship next level type thing. So, yeah, my answer for question number one is Kawhi. Um, my answer for number two, and I know we're like the ultimate stands when it comes to this, or I don't know, maybe not so much, but kind of. I would really be satisfied if we had D'Angelo, dude. I'm just going to freaking say it. People can hate on me. I don't care. Um, (laughs) I mean, it would be if we got like Kyrie, right? Because that's the name that has clearly been linked to us. Um, I guess you just kind of wonder, and this doesn't mean that D'Angelo doesn't have any concerns whatsoever with his maturity level. But with Kyrie, there, there are like... It's kind of weird things, right, that he has seemingly brought to the teams that he's been on. Now, again, does this mean D'Angelo doesn't have baggage? No, it doesn't. But again, this is all just about subjectivity and being emotional and things like that. So what would give me – I'd be satisfied if we got Kyrie. I think I would be more satisfied if we got D'Angelo. And if I pit D'Angelo against Kemba, what's going to give me more emotional satisfaction Still probably choose D'Lo because when we got rid of him, it was just this like, ah, you know, kind of feeling despite everyone saying, no, this is good. It's fine. So, yeah, it would be like a nice little reclamation project. And, um, yeah, it would feel pretty nice. A nice little redemption prodigal son story, especially because the Lakers shipped out all of the young core getting D'Lo back, even though it kind of feels like a useless venture that we traded this guy away only to have to spend, you know, maybe 22 to $25 million to bring this guy back kind of seems pointless. But at this point, I mean, he was away for two years. He learned a lot. He became an all-star and the fact that we have the opportunity to bring him back. Yeah. It's just a great redemption story. And to see him succeed with Anthony Davis, LeBron James and Kyle Kuzma, for me, the, the narrative, just the narrative alone is so intriguing and I think more rewarding to have a guy like that back um, because it reminds us of the rebuild years, but it also shows us um, the fruits of all our labor back then. So for me, I, act, I agree as well. I, I'm super down to bring in D'Angelo Russell, maybe over all of those guys, to be honest with you, just from a narrative Even level. Kawhi? Even Kawhi. And I'll tell you why. But Okay, but before I tell you why... Well, okay, I already said from this is more from the narrative angle, right? Uh, Alan brought up Kyrie and his weirdness. For me, Kawhi, it just has like a cheap sort of feeling to it. I know it's illogical and counterintuitive, but if Kawhi comes, the pressure's on. We're expected to win the championship no matter what. There's no way, there's nowhere to go but down from there. But when you bring in D'Angelo, people, you know people still are going to give us flack for it. And we're really still going to have to earn the championship. And I just feel like it'll be a more rewarding experience to prove people wrong again. And to prove that D'Angelo 
actually earned his all-star his all-star bid by becoming a, an actual winning player with the Lakers. So for me, just even from a narrative level, I would take D'Angelo over Kawhi because Kawhi feels cheap to me. He just won a championship with the Raptors. Eh, you know? And then Kyrie, outside of him being weird, it's almost like a been there, done that sort of scenario as well. He's he's done it with LeBron James before. He has prima donna tendencies. Who knows what happens when he gets comfortable here? He might want to be catered to, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I just worry about that dynamic in general. So that I think that's why I that's why I'd still take D'Angelo over those two guys because of the it feels cheap and these are renegades that sort of factor. But uh, Tommy, your thoughts on bringing back D'Angelo Russell and I guess your own personal affiliation to any one of these uh, stars, if you could bring them in. Uh, I'll start with the second question. So the the guy I obviously am the highest on and would just be so happy if we brought in is Kawhi for obvious reasons. I think he's. With Kevin uh, Durant's Achilles, Kawhi is by far the best player available. Um, I think he's, you know, it, it it does. I mean, I get like if if uh, if we do get him, maybe like for some people that could it could come across as like it's a little unfair, um, just because we we're going to have so much top heavy talent. Um, but I think when you have a chance to get somebody like Kawhi. If he's in any way interested, you just have to go for it. Um, in terms of other guys, I mean, I do feel attached to D'Lo still. I know that sounds stupid and we're going to get flamed really bad for this podcast. <laughs> but um, it's, you know, I'm not saying I would necessarily. I Look, some of the guys like Kyrie Irving is heavily linked to Brooklyn. I'm not saying we have no chance at him, but it, it seems unlikely at this point. Um and even despite that, like when you look at guys like Kyrie or Kemba, like, yeah, they're offensively elite players, but D'Lo is what, 23 years old. He's, he's younger than both of these guys. He, um, still has upside, like a good amount of upside. Uh, he's, he can shoot the ball really well. He, um, you know, is not a good defender by any means, but he's definitely gotten better since he was on our team, um, originally. So, if we had the option to bring him back, I would not be opposed at all. And I don't think Rob is above doing something like that. Um, so, you know, that that's somebody I'd like to see. Um, you know, I would rather take D'Lo over Vucevic, over Chris oh, Middleton, yeah. over, you know, uh, DeMarcus Cousins, Tobias Harris. Of course, like we're getting all the guys pop up on our screen here as we're, as we're talking about it. But Pretty much everybody, <laughs> except for like Kawhi and you know I, Kyrie again. I, we don't. I don't know that we have a chance at him, but I, I do feel like D'Lo is a nice prospect. It's a nice way to blend the the young player, uh, have a young player thrown into the mix with um, LeBron and AD because undoubtedly, like the rest of our roster is going to get filled out with veterans. So D'Lo could be like a nice balance there. Um, I don't know that he went out on great terms. So I, I don't know that that's really realistic, but at some level, it's like, look, we thought we were talking about this uh, uh, when we were talking about the draft picks, but um, the Suns were loosely linked to D They cannot sign him unless they have other moves lined up. And there were uh, rumors that came out that they're not interested. Actually Brooklyn, if they are going to get Kyrie and potentially Kevin Durant, they can't sign him. At some point, like, you know, you start to lose a little bit of uh, 
of your options. You know, it's a, there's not infinite teams out there that would necessarily give D'Lo the max, and especially teams that he would necessarily go to. Um, so it seems like it's kind of aligning for it to work out that way. And if it did, I would not be opposed. I I, I still think if you have a chance to get Kawhi, you go all in on him. I don't know necessarily that D'Lo at twenty seven million is like the best way to use if you end up with 32 million in cap space i don't know the dlo 27 is necessarily the best way to use that i i would try to see you know if he went down to like 23 or 22 leaving us with like another 10 million to spend on another really solid role player i think that would even more significantly change my analysis of the uh of the decision um but um but yeah i for me, it's it's almost choir bust, but with the caveat that I'd be down for D'Lo. Yeah, and I just want to qualify again that objectively, I do. I'm not going to be disappointed if we get Kawhi, but just from the a narrative perspective, it would be cool to get D'Lo, and I'd prefer him over Kawhi in that sense. And imagine if we won a championship with D'Angelo Russell, ultimate redemption story, like we just mentioned. Um, Alan, what do you think about Kemba over guys like? Jimmy Butler or Kyrie Irving. I think it's a little more comparable in that sense, although people might say, no, Kyrie is objectively better than Kemba and he's a little younger. And Jimmy Butler has more of a two-way presence. Let me know if you agree or disagree with this. But for me, kind of like my reasoning for D'Lo, I prefer Kemba Walker over Jimmy Butler and even over Kyrie Irving just because as it stands with our team right now, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, and Kyle Kuzma, I like following a team's journey from the bottom with regards to following guys that haven't done it before. And Anthony Davis is still, he's still a neophyte with regards to his playoff experience, right? He's only gone to the playoffs, I think, for two years, only gone in and out of the first round once. And Kemba Walker's the same way. I think he's only been to the playoffs two years as well and only got in out of the, the first round once as well. And I think I just like knowing that we ha- will get two superstars who are hungry and are willing to work hard for it and have it and don't have a necessary been there, done that mentality that a Kyrie Irving would have. Or maybe even for a Jimmy Butler who's been to the playoffs year after year and it's almost become monotonous for them. Not to say that Jimmy Butler is not going to work hard or whatever, but I just like that dynamic knowing that because we lost the young guys and we can no longer watch their journey from the bottom to the top, that at least we can kind of still do it with a guy like Kemba Walker because he hasn't made it yet. He hasn't even made it to the Eastern Conference Finals or Western Conference Finals. And to watch his journey from the bottom, from the start, along with Anthony Davis and LeBron James, making it to the Western Conference Finals, making it to the finals, I I think for me feels more rewarding because it doesn't feel as though we just randomly got these guys out of nowhere, if that makes sense. It almost feels like, oh yeah, it's not the same as watching Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram grow up, but we can at least say, oh, we're watching Kemba Walker make it to this level of competitiveness for the first time, and we can call him our own in that way. Yeah, I can see that. Um, It's kind of like Chris Bosh going to Miami, Mm. right? Like The Raptors had made it to the playoffs for sure. But it was nothing like what LeBron had done. It's nothing, obviously, like what D-Wade had done where he'd actually won the finals, right? Bosch was kind of like stuck in this perpetual cycle of only getting so far um, and not being surrounded with talent and things like that. So I think a lot of people felt, again, from a narrative perspective, to continue to use that phrase, really, they're very happy for Chris Bosch. And you could like celebrate it with him. Um, For Kemba, I can 
totally see that. Um, he's a guy that's in small market, um, wasn't really surrounded, you know, with sufficient talent to go very far. And, um, one could argue subpar management and things like that. So to see him, uh, be put in a position to be as successful as possible would have that feel good element to it. And if you were to compare that directly to Kyrie, who's been there before and all that, um, I can see where the emotional attachment would be different. Um, so yeah, I don't think we need to qualify and say, no, obviously if we had this player, that player, we feel good. Yeah, obviously that goes without being said, um, from a chemistry basketball kind of standpoint, I mean, if you're looking at Kyrie and Kemba, they have fairly similar weaknesses in terms of, like, defense, right? I mean, Kyrie's defense improved a little bit last season, but ultimately, he's not a great, you know, defender from the point guard position. But then we've said so many times before, like, well, who is great (laughs) at defending the point guard position? Um, Kemba is small. So that's a concern. Kemba's older than Kyrie. That's another thing to take into consideration. But then Kyrie has an injury history with his knee. So when you look at all those things, I mean, some of the stuff seems to sort of cancel out, I would say. And then Jimmy Butler, you look at his mileage. And then also potential chemistry issues there with his bullheadedness, no pun intended, which, I mean, that could be good or that could be bad. I don't know. Um, we don't know these guys personally, and we don't know what types of relationships AD and Le- LeBron have with them either, um, at least with Jimmy Butler, that is. So, um, yeah, that's that's tough, though, deciding between those three guys. Um, as far as who I'd be most wary about if I kind of work backwards, I think Jimmy Butler might give me the most pause. Like, ooh, you know, let's buckle in our seatbelts and see, see what happens. Kyrie, we could kind of know what to expect. Kemba, I think we could all get pretty enthusiastic about. Yeah, um, I think for Jimmy Butler, I had kind of started to turn around on him after the playoffs and just realizing that the the skill that he brings on both ends is really important once you get to the grid and grind style, slow it down style of the playoffs. And just hearing more about how committed he was to the team and him throwing Easter egg hunts for the Sixers employees kind of turned me around on his personality and everything like that. And I think I'd have Jimmy Butler over Kyrie for the same reasoning that I gave for Kemba, just because Jimmy Butler hasn't made it to that highest level of a conference finals or a finals. Um, But I think just because of the personality questions and me just liking uh, Kemba Walker more as a person, I'd probably still have Kemba Walker over Jimmy Butler. And I think like Tommy said before, I think Kemba Walker, we could really use, well, for one thing, we don't have a starting caliber point guard yet and having Kemba Walker in that position would help us out a lot and as LeBron LeBron James has shown with Kyrie Irving he really excels when he has another ball handling creator next to him who can set him up but also someone he can set up as well and Kemba Walker is a really good off the catch off ball shooter Um, and we saw that in uh, Miami as well with Dwayne Wade when he got to handle the rock so um, Tommy any additional Thoughts or anything before we move on to free agent combos and whatnot? No, I don't have anything else. Okay, cool. So with that said, we'll take it to break. And when we return, we'll just throw out some names and, uh, yeah, have a little fun with that. (laughs) All right, so we're back. And uh, 
we're going to talk about free agents and, and the different um, avenues that the Lakers have in front of them. Everybody knows it at this point. Either they use their max cap space, whether they have it yet or not, on a third star, or they use that $32.7 million to divvy it up uh, amongst two or three players. Regardless of which route they take, they're still also going to have to fill out their roster with veteran minimum exceptions and that room mid-level of $4.7 million. So before we get started on the combos, I wanted to ask you guys to give me, let's say that the Lakers divvy it up amongst two or three players, the $32.7 million. So you can get a guy making $12 million, a guy making $10 million, and another guy making $10 million. Um, in that context, who are two or three guys that you kind of have highlighted in your head that you'd kind of uh, shoot for first? Uh Tommy. So I, if it's three guys, I think definitely I'd look for a, a big man, a wing who could shoot, and a point guard who could shoot and defend. So the three guys I'd look at are for sure Patrick Beverly would be would be probably the first. Um, I would also look at somebody maybe like um, uh, maybe like uh, DeAndre Jordan um, as a big man. And then for a wing who can shoot and maybe play a little bit of defense, it's a little bit harder because those guys are in such high demand. And you know, you feel like you can kind of fall back on like a Trevor Ariza type because he might be available for the minimum. Um, but maybe I would look at, maybe I would look at Trevor Ariza. Maybe I would look at, um, even Wilson Chandler can shoot. Uh, Jerry Dudley can probably be had for the minimum, um, but but some sort of you know P- Terrence Ross I think would be a home run um, in terms of a shooting shooting wing, um, but some combination if we're going to split it up between three guys, some combination of a point guard who can start and defend, uh, a shooting wing, and um, a big man who can, you know I'm not sure if we're planning to start Anthony Davis at the four or the five just because. I mean, he can shoot. Um, it seems like it would, intuitively it would be a little clunky to start him with another pure center. Uh, there are reports that he prefers to play the four as opposed to the five. I'm not sure that his opinion matters, <laughs> you know, in in this context. But um, if if he does want like a traditional five next to him, I think DeAndre Jordan would. You know, he'd be another guy who would be a home run for us i mean he's like javel on steroids i mean he can make free throws now um he's super strong he's a smart player um he's just as you know i I won't say he's like elite at at switching on the perimeter but he's at least as good as javel was for us and he just makes less of those like boneheaded mistakes that javel tends to make so I would be super, super down for something like those three. How do you see the money divvying up amongst those guys? Do you think DeAndre would take like fifteen ish? I don't know. I mean, it's so hard to t- it's so hard to know because so many of these guys maybe are going to get more than I thought. Like I think, basing like based off the market for the last I don't know two or three years, I would expect that somebody like Patrick Beverly might get like eight million. But Eric Pincus and others have been tweeting that Patrick Beverly is rumored to be, you know, to be expecting like offers starting at twelve million uh, per year. So, you know, who knows? Maybe that's just like buzz some agent is leaking to try to get higher offers. But um, if it is twelve million for somebody like him, then I don't know. Maybe that makes De- DeAndre somebody that again in previous years. 
part of a lot of this i'm jumping around but a lot of this comes down also to who gets squeezed out by the market if a bunch of guys or a bunch of teams are using their cap space so many teams have cap space this year but before we started watching the draft alan and i had espn on and or nba tv and they were interviewing adam silver and i don't know if this stat is like exactly correct but he said something like 40% of the league's active players are free agents this summer which is insane i mean that's like you know nearly half the league so there are a lot of teams that have space so there are a lot of guys like i don't know you look at the list and it's like al horford like uh Brooke Lopez. I, there are a lot of potential for guys to get overpaid this summer. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon, he's restricted, but I could see him getting slightly overpaid. And eventually the money is going to dry out, dry up, and I think it's going to dry up pretty quickly. Um, uh, and so guys like DeAndre Jordan, who it's like, yeah, he had a great year last year, but he did so on two losing teams. Um, and you know, he's getting older and we just don't know like where his career is headed. I don't know necessarily that guys are going to be lining up to give him multi-year deals at 15 million, you know? So I, I just so hard to predict the cap. I, my impression is that, you know, for three guys like Deandre, Patrick Beverly, and um, I don't know, like a, uh, one of the wings, I, maybe Terrence Ross might be out of our range, but maybe like a Rodney hood might be more in our range. Um, I feel like that should work with 32 million. Um, but I just, I don't know. I really don't know for sure until we start seeing the first, the first contracts fall. Sure. Um, Alan, what about you? You could, you could have some similar ones to Tommy, but anyone, other players, if we divvy up, uh, any other players making me that may make around eight to 12 million that you're highlighting in your head right now. Yeah, I'll, uh, pick some different ones. Um, I agree. I like the ones that Tommy picked, of course, but just to give some variety. I like Markeith Morris as a stretch four or five. Um, as far as, because we need a point guard too, for sure. It, it's hard for me to go away from Patrick Beverly, but uh, I mean, obviously another name that's been thrown out there a lot recently is Darren Collison. Just as far as a guy with a lot of experience, um, he's a vet, you know, he can shoot. Frank and, Vogel connection. Yeah, for sure. <clears throat> um, as far as other point guards besides him that like really pop out that could be had at that price, uh, I mean, I know some people have said George Hill, but I don't know. I'm not quite as hot on him. So, um, yeah, I'll go with Collison. And then, so then it comes down to either wings, like 3 and D type dudes, or shooting guards. I mean, 8 to 10 is overpaying for Seth. Curry, I would say. Yeah. Um. So if we're taking, you know, that price range out of it, having Seth Curry, period, uh, would be nice, depending on whatever the market is for him. Um. But then, yeah, as far as looking at other three and D dudes, uh, I mean, Danny Green, I think he was on some radio station, and they asked him the question, right? Like, oh, apparently the Lakers are interested, and he's like, well, I haven't heard that, <laughs> like, officially. And then he said, but if they actually are, like, that's cool, you know? That doesn't mean that he wants to be a Laker necessarily. Um, and I know that there was some stuff on social media saying, oh, Danny Green wants to be a Laker. He says it would be nice. Um, but I think we could all agree that he would be a pretty nice addition as well. So 
yeah, those are some of the guys that I would be paying attention to. But the priority for me would be uh, spreading the floor with shooters for sure. Yeah, I think for me, Nikola Mirotic seems like he's going to get pinched out of the Milwaukee Bucks. And I think he should be, he may be able to be had for around 10 to $12 million. And he's already proven that he plays really well with Anthony Davis. I think their numbers together, their on-off numbers together were really good when they were on the Pelicans together. So I think with regards to familiarity and chemistry, that's already kind of baked in. So maybe they can get someone like Miritich. I honestly don't know how that's going to work out because it would be Anthony Davis at the center, Miritich at the four, LeBron at the three, and then Kuzma coming off the bench or something. So I don't know, maybe rotation-wise it doesn't work. Um, But another guy, and Tommy mentioned him, another guy that I would take a serious look at would be Terrence Ross. He is only 28. He turned 28 in February. Last season with Orlando, he had a career season averaging 15 points, 3.5 rebounds, 1.7 assists, almost a steal a game in only 26 minutes. Obviously, the biggest thing is his three-point shooting. He made a career-high 2.73s on 38% from the field, 87% from the free-throw line, and he hit a bunch of clutch shots for the Orlando Magic as well. Um, I think because we already know that we're going to fill out the rest of our bench with uh, a geriatric bunch with the veteran exceptions, it'd be nice to also get someone under 30 um, and also someone who's athletic. And I think Terrence Ross still has that upside. Obviously, last year was a contract year, yada, yada. But I just I just like his his combo of athleticism and shooting. I'm not sure he's necessarily a defensive sort of guy, but just bringing that sort of dynamic athleticism, I think, um, also helps with attacking closeouts and whatnot. Um, and then, let's see, Marcus Morris has been linked to us as well. He'd be great to have if he's willing to come for like $10 million. He can play, I think he played some stretch four for Boston, right? So he may be able to do that for us, but he can also play the three. And then, obviously, J.J. Reddick's name has come up as well. I think if we were able to pair him up with Patrick Beverly, that would be, I guess, the most ideal combo backcourt because Patrick Beverly can kind of cover for J.J. Redick. He's kind of waned defensively over the years as he's gotten older. Obviously, his shooting hasn't. And Patrick Beverly can also hit a three from the outside as well. So that would be a great sort of combo. And then one last name that I'd like to bring up, everybody already knows, but Brooke Lopez. Who knows how much he's going to make this year? He might make $15 million, but... Uh, We'll see if he's interested in coming back to the Lakers. Um, But if he is, kind of seems like a clunky fit with Anthony Davis because he's kind of slow and loafing, but at least he can stretch the floor for Davis and vice versa. So I'd be interested in seeing how that pairing works out. But Brooke Lopez is another name. Although at this point, Tommy, let me know if you agree with this. Would you rather have Brooke Lopez or someone like Dwayne Dedman, who he's not as flashy a name as Brooke Lopez, but he's a little younger, may cost less but I think is a little more mobile and agile and can still space the floor for Anthony Davis as well. But your thoughts on Deadman? Deadman, I'd be super down for. I actually think he's pretty underrated. Um, and based on some like early numbers I saw for what he might get in the market, it, it seems like he would be available at a very reasonable price just because he's kind of been floating um, on the Hawks for the last couple of years. And obviously they're not like a, you know, Brooke Lopez was playing in the playoffs, like in the Eastern Conference Finals, like a month ago. So he's much more visible than Deadman. Um, Deadman, what you lose in the volume and maybe overall shooting ability 
between the two. Like, Brooke is overall a better shooter. Um, Deadman shoots a higher percentage, I think, actually, but he shoots a lower vo- volume, and he doesn't look as much... I, I mean, it's funny, because for a long time, I just would look at his stats, and then once I actually saw him play a few times... His shot is not, like, the most smooth-looking shot of all time for, like, a big man, but he can hit it, um, and he's uh, he's a much better, in my opinion, defender. Um, so the trade-off works in our favor. Like, he has the ability to hit the shot. Yeah, he's not going to make three a game or take, like, eight a game or something, but he can hit it, and more importantly for us, he, he can play defense. So good balance. If he's available for, like, the room or something, I mean... I would be all over that that type of signing for sure. Yeah, I feel like Deadman would end up commanding about $8 million. But even at that price, I think I'd take him on because I think he's a more mobile defender. He can probably switch on pick and rolls better. He moves his feet better and he's more athletic. And he's just a solidly built dude who's very strong as well. I actually got to see him play in person when the Clippers played the Hawks on Chinese Heritage Night or whatever. Um, anyways, okay, so that'll... Those are two or three names that we'd like to see or that that come first to mind when thinking about guys that the Lakers could look at if they divvy up their money. Now, let's say the Lakers get a third star and we have to fill out our roster with a bunch of veteran exception type guys. Same question for you guys. Knowing that we can only give out the room level exception of about $4.7 million and the rest of it has to be veteran exception um, contracts, what guys do you think will be willing to accept that amount that uh, intrigue you and who can still do a good job of uh, filling in some holes for us while also knowing that they might be older guys, uh, they might be journeymen, might be ring chasers, but you got to make do with that. But I think with the amount of money that's going to be going to these mid-tier guys, there are going to be a bunch of guys who are also pinched out and a bunch of guys who you don't expect to kind of get the cold shoulder uh, remaining for the Lakers to be had. Um, before you guys answer that question, some categories that I'd like to throw out are here are some restricted free agents that I could see getting renounced that the Lakers may be able to look at. Uh, Willie Cauley-Stein, Jordan Bell, Frank Kaminsky could provide that shooting at uh, very cheap, David Nwaba, former Laker David Nwaba, Tyus Jones if the Lakers are scrounging around for a point guard option, although I imagine he'd make more than the vet exception, Emmanuel Moutier, Trey Lyles, former Laker Ivica Zubats, and then Rondé Hollis-Jefferson. Can't shoot. He can shimmy from the free throw line, though, uh, but he does have some defensive upside if the Lakers are looking to fill out their roster with some defenders. Um, Some other special cases. uh, Derek Favors is a non-guaranteed contract for the Jazz, so they could choose to waive him, and he may become a free agent. There's been rumors that he's interested in the Lakers. Um, At this point, I think we'd all pencil in Kyle Korver. uh, Once or if the uh, Memphis Grizzlies waive him and, and his partially guaranteed contract. Avery Bradley on the Memphis Grizzlies is also partially guaranteed, so you can think of him as well. And then lastly, J.R. Smith has that super nifty contract where if the Cavs trade him to another cap-strapped team, that team can waive him, and his contract will only count for $3.5 million on their books, and he'll be free to sign with whoever he wants. So at this point, you may be able to pencil in J.R. Smith as well just because he's a former LeBron guy. But with that said, looking at minimum-type dudes, Alan, what kind of guys do you think the Lakers could look at, whether it's uh, the older journeyman or maybe like a younger guy who gets pinched out because uh, all the other guys have been given big paydays? 
I mean, obviously it it just depends on uh fit and chemistry and things like that as far as separating between older and younger guys. Um but just speaking to some of the players names that you mentioned right now, I mean Kyle Korver as you said, obviously when we don't even need to talk about that. Um I think Willie Trill Willie Trill. I think Willie Trilly would be pretty cool. Um, I mean, we we talked about you know DeAndre Jordan um, a little bit earlier. How that would be um, <clears throat> kind of like our upgrade from Javale, even though Javale, you know, he played pretty well for us. Um, Willie Cauley Stein is pretty intriguing. Um, like you mentioned, Frank Kaminsky, <clears throat> a guy who could stretch the floor. Um, I could see that as well. So, yeah. Tommy, what about you for with regards to veteran exception type guys that the Lakers could look at? Um, I I would this is like maybe too setting the bar a little bit too low in some people's eyes, but one guy I've been interested in since like trade deadline of this past season is Markeith Morris. Mm. Um, he's not like a world beater, okay? He's kind of like he's a mediocre three point shooter, but. He can play the four. He can play the five. He's got good length. And more importantly, he's like a killer. And when mm-hmm. you're trying to build a, a team of at least two superstars, um, you need a guy like that who's going to do the dirty work and kind of like let other teams know, like, we're not here to like mess around. You know what I mean? Like, you're not just going to come in here and like mess around with Anthony Davis because you're going to have to turn around and Marcus Morris or Marquise Morris, Morris is going to be right in your face. Um, so that's one guy that, that I've been kind of thinking about. One guy that I would really like, and also Markeith Morris is a clutch client, so uh, maybe he'd be more willing to come to us after the rental three months he had with OKC. And, you know, maybe we'd have to pay him a little bit more, like maybe the room exception, but I think that's well worth it for the type of versatility that he can bring the Lakers. One guy that I'd really like to take a chance on would be Nerlens Noel, who we sort of maybe had the opportunity to get last year, but he ended up choosing OKC over us. Maybe we'd have to give him the room level exception to entice him to come, but because the Lakers have a barren roster and roles available, maybe he'd be more willing to just take that room exception. But I really like Nerlens Noel because the dude is only 25 years old, so he sort of brings that Willie Cauley-Stein, JaVale McGee sort of mold and type of play while also just being a young guy and a reclamation project that the the Lakers could take advantage of if he, you know, regains the promise that he had when he was with the Sixers. I feel like he's had an off last two or three years, took a chance on himself, didn't work out because he's been injured. Um, but he's only 25 still, and he has shown to be a very athletic, rim-running, lob-catching player, and a guy who can play defense and potentially switch out on pick-and-rolls as well. So, I really like the potential there with Nerlens Noel, given his age and given his skill set. He, he won't be able to stretch the floor, but with regards to being able to maybe switch one through five, uh, I really like what he brings to the table. I'm going to throw out some names to you guys and you tell me what you guys think. Or actually, I have some combos. So here is my shoot the lights out combo. Are you ready for this? Brooke Lopez, Bojan Bogdanovich, JJ Redick, and then for the room mid-level, I don't know how realistic this is, Danny Green. No. <laughs> okay, let's switch that to Reggie Bullock. Okay. And then for the veteran minimum, let's say uh, Trey Burke. What do you think about that lineup? Brooke Lopez, 
Bojan Bogdanovic, JJ Redick. Maybe you give them all each about 11 million or something. Uh, Reggie Bullock and Trey Burke as a shooting, shoot the lights out combo. That lineup's sick. Cool. <laughs> I mean, again, Bogdanovich is the one uh, holdup in, in this situation because he might just get, he might be one of these guys who gets severely overpaid um, in this market where everyone has money. Um, but I like the, I mean, I, it's it's uh it's nice to know that those names are all like reasonably available to us and and would severe, like be just monumental upgrades for our shooting compared to last year. Yeah, this one's more of a mishmash lineup. Um, but what do you guys think about DeAndre Jordan, Patrick Beverly, Marcus Morris, Trevor Ariza for the room? I see what you're doing. Javale McGee. Vet minimum and Wayne Ellington vet minimum. Alan, what do you think about that? That's pretty badass, dude. <laughs> I think that's the goal, right? Yeah. Yeah. Just touch them up, kind of a lineup. Um, sorry, run through that one more time. I'm gonna look at it from some different aspects, just besides being really, really physical and kind of playing bully ball. Uh, DeAndre Jordan, Patrick Beverly, Marcus Morris, Trevor Ariza, Javale McGee, Wayne Ellington. Okay, so yeah, there's some shooting too. You know, mm-hmm. it's not just toughness. You know, which was the mantra for last year's team is let's just throw a bunch of tough guys out there. Um, obviously, like we said, Pat Bev can shoot. Um, and that shoot, I'm forgetting the last name you literally just said. Wayne Ellington. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously we wanted Wayne Ellington last year and that didn't work out so well. So another former Laker, um, who can stretch the floor. Um, and then, yeah, we've discussed all the other guys. So that that's pretty nice, dude. What about this? Shoot the lights out part two. <laughs> Brooke Lopez, Nikola Miritich, JJ Redick. I don't know if we'd be able to fit all those guys. I have him at like 12, 8, 9. I don't know if that works out financially. No, maybe. Well, let's say we can fit Lopez, Miritich, Redick, and then we sign. Let's just say Danny Green wants to come. Danny Green for the room. For the minimum, bro. No, for the room. Isn't that a sick lineup? Like, I don't know how, how good defensively that lineup is, but all the shooting in the world. Lopez, Miritich off the bench, Redick at the two, Danny Green off the bench, Bullock off the bench. I don't know. I really like that. Um, what about this all-defensive lineup? Defense-first lineup, Alan. Nolan's Noel, and this is for all veteran minimum exceptions, okay? Nolan's Noel takes the room. Wesley Matthews takes the vet minimum. Iman Shumper takes the vet minimum. Trevor Ariza takes the vet minimum. And then Noah Vonley for the reclamation project. <laughs> vet minimum. What do you so the shooting's a little wonky, but the defense is all there. I need a process again. Sorry, repeat it one more time. Nerlens Noel, Wesley I Matthews. Like, uh, okay. Iman Shumpert. Uh, Trevor Ariza. Yeah. Yeah. Noah Vonley. Career season last <laughs> year with the Knicks. I mean, on the cheap. I mean, they're all, they so, all have to be. Yeah, because that's what they—that's what they're gonna fetch. I mean, for obvious reasons, I'm more lukewarm about it <laughs> than the other ones. But um, just in and of itself, I mean, I do like Nerlens. I think that one, <clears throat> kind of across the board, is appealing. I mean, gosh, I remember when we were talking about should we trade Jordan Clarkson. <laughs> Werner Linz Noel like three years ago or something. So it's crazy that that guy's name is like still etched in our minds. Um, Wesley Matthews. Hmm. 
He didn't shoot the ball well last year, but he and he's coming off an Achilles injury. He's kind of done a little disappearing act. He still can shoot the ball, though. I think he still yeah. shot like 38% from the field, and he can still somewhat channel some of his defensive reputation. So, I mean, there's something there. And when you're giving out veteran exceptions, I think yeah, beggars can't be choosers. Um, so if he, I mean, if he wants to come, I, I definitely, we can fill in that shooting guard spot. So, Tommy, do you have any thoughts on that? Or do you have any other options? Do you like Wesley Matthews? What about Iman Shumpert? I mean, these are going to be bottom barrel type guys. If you're Shumpert looking has at... a good voice. He does. He can sing. You're right. But, I mean, it's a LeBron guy. He's played with LeBron before. Any, if, or if you have any other ideas. So, on those two guys in particular, I, I feel like I haven't seen Wes Matthews or paid attention to him enough in the last couple of years, like, post his Achilles injury. with uh, the Like, I know the first year back is kind of a wash, but... The last couple of years he's been with the Mavs, and it seems like he's been fairly steady. I mean, he hits like a still a decently high percentage from three. I mean, the one thing with the Achilles, and this is the thing that I haven't paid as much attention to, when Wes Matthews was in what I'll call his prime pre-Achilles injury with the Blazers, part of his value and part of the reason why the Mavs gave him such a giant deal or made him such a giant offer uh, when he was a free agent is because he was a really like elite defender. He was thought to be an elite defender and he could hit threes. Um, he still shoots a high volume. I think he still makes a high percentage from three, but I don't know if his Achilles has suffered with it or sorry, his defense has suffered with the Achilles. So that would be one thing I'd be interested in, but I actually overall like Wes Matthews. Um, Shumpert, better defender. You lose a little shooting, um, but he is like, I think going to be quite obtainable and, you know, he's got the LeBron connection and um, it, you, sometimes that's kind of stuff is honestly a little more important Yeah, in a way. You know, it's like LeBron knows how to hit Kyle. Kyle Korver for, is like an example of a guy who is probably going to get waived and as part of, the, you know, who's involved in this Conley trade. He struggled down the stretch for Utah last year and he didn't really play very well in the playoffs either, at least at least, at, you know, at the end there. Um, he, you, you almost feel like there's some hidden traits, like, like all of a sudden he's going to be teamed up with LeBron and LeBron's hitting him with these passes and he's just raining threes again. And it's going to, sometimes you get these two guys who like sync up and, and it just works. And I think that there are certain guys that are like that with LeBron. And I think like Shumpert is like one of those types of guys. Um, mm-hmm. so, uh, so yeah. I have some other combos that they're out. You tell me. So this one I call, we hate it, but it could happen option. Oh, God. Is it all, <laughs> is it all last year's squad? Rondo and Derek Rose for the room exception. Isaiah Thomas for the vet exception. JaVale McGee for vet exception. Trevor Reza vet exception. Rajon Rondo vet exception. Wayne Ellington vet exception. That would be the worst case scenario, right? I don't even think that's that bad. <laughs> You don't think Derek Rose, Isaiah Thomas, JaVale McGee, Trevor Ariza, Wayne Ellington, and Rondo's bad? That's like three point guards. Okay, maybe. Okay, what if we swap out um, Isaiah Thomas for Carmelo? So Derek Rose, okay, Carmelo free, Anthony, yeah. <laughs> JaVale McGee, Trevor Ariza, Rajon Rondo, and Wayne Ellington. I, I guess it's well, better than last year, but. 
I mean, are you not high on Rose? I'm not super high on Rose, but I think you could do a lot r- worse than Rose. Like, of course, with Rose, the one risk you run into is that his shooting last year was a fluke. Yeah. It was the one year in, like, his entire career that he shot well for the entire year. My worry is that we have to start him. We would have to in this scenario. Yeah, I mean, but I don't know that is that necessarily a horrible thing. Like, I mean, he played very, very well. I mean, granted, it was off the bench. Um or did they start him and Teague last year? It was on and off because Teague was also injured. So. Oh, okay, okay. Um, but he he played well for Minnesota last year, and the big thing is shooting with him. Um, he's a former number one overall pick. I know, like things have obviously significantly changed since he was, you know, who he he was as a number one pick. But he still, you know, has he he seems hungry. He hasn't won a ring. Um. You know, he I'm sure like he has a good deal of of respect for LeBron and vice versa. Um, He was on those Bulls teams. Um, I can't remember like what the I mean, LeBron was how old was LeBron when Derrick Rose was like making those runs with the Bulls? That was around 2000. Yeah, that was a long time ago at this point. Yeah, it was a while ago. But LeBron was still like, you know. I just feel like they must have, like, some mutual respect for each other. Oh, yeah, they do. Um, That's what I'm afraid of. (laughs) Okay, well, that's fair. I mean, like, look, to me, Derrick Rose is miles ahead of Rajon Rondo. So if we we got him, it would not be the end of the world. To me, it's like, look, getting Rondo is not the end of the world by any stretch, but I just feel like that we can do so much better in so many other ways. And, I like, Derrick Rose is, to me, just one of, like, a ton of examples of guys that we could slot in that I think would be better than Rondo. Sure. I have one last option. It's called very lukewarm. You're like, eh, but you're not, you're not too excited about it, but it's not the worst thing. Reggie Bullock for the room exception, Trey Burke for the vet exception, JaVale McGee, Todd Gibson, Wayne Ellington, Trevor Ariza. I mean, you could realistically see that happening, right? Yeah. It's a little, it's not optimal, but I guess what would you think of that? It's like filled with veterans you have some shooting, not optimal shooting. You have some defense. You're worried if these guys will break down, but Reggie Bullock, Trey Burke, JaVale McGee, Todd Gibson, Wayne Ellington, Trevor Ariza. And remember, we got THT and Kuzma as well, so I mean, and Caruso. Alan, what are your thoughts on that? It's very middling, but... Yeah, I mean, I think you're a little worried about a guy like Todd breaking down. Like you said, that's the one new name that you threw in there. And I think we all like Taj Gibson. Um, I think he would, he does bring a lot of besides the veteran presence. Um, he fills a need for sure. Um, but because of his age and, um, playing under Tibbs <laughs> for so long, you know, that gives you a little bit of pause, but as far as the other names, I mean, yeah, like you said, Ellington, you've said Ariza, etc. cetera. Um, but just as far as this combination goes, like Tommy said, with the, previous combo we could do a lot worse right but i guess that's why he said it's lukewarm because it's very meh in the middle um to close the show the one last thing that i'd like to add another option that the lakers could take it's almost like a last resort option if they strike out is if the lakers don't get a max guy if they don't spread their money around they could also use their cap in creative ways like taking on a team's unwanted salary um if that player still fits what they're trying to do. Um, Tommy, let me know if any of these guys pique your interest. Kelly Olenek, 
is making $11 million. What if the Miami Heat include a guy like Derek Jones or another second round pick because we lost one? <laughs> it's all about second round picks this year, apparently. Or maybe they add Bam Adebayo. I don't know how realistic that is. Um, a guy like Goran Dragic, who opted into his $19 million. Um, so he would obviously eat into the Lakers cap. But at that point, maybe they just need a starting point guard and maybe they get an asset in return. A guy like Marvin Williams making $15 million, stretch four. Um, maybe they attach another future first. Tyler Johnson of the Suns. Uh, maybe they get Josh Jackson or DeAnthony Melton um, for taking his contract on. Evan Fournier, who's making $17 million. Eric Gordon, $14 million. And then lastly, DJ Augustine at $7 million. So I'll run through that list again. Kelly Olenek, Goran Dragic. Marvin Williams, Tyler Johnson, Evan Fournier, Eric Gordon, and DJ Augustine. Uh, what are your thoughts on those players and your thoughts on just taking on contracts that may help you in the next year, but also maybe you pick up an asset in return as well? Of that list, I think the one that stands out to me the most is Eric Gordon, just because he's already proven that he can compete at you know on a team that's competing at the highest level. Um Maybe Kelly Olynyk. he has some playoff experience from his time with the Celtics. I mean, it's not that all oh, these other, obviously Goran Dragic and some of these other guys have, have plenty of experience, but it's it, it, also thinking in terms of like their contracts um, and how, and how, uh, and like the relative value of their, of their output, you know, compared to their, their contracts. But Eric Gordon, I mean, he fills a lot of needs for us. I don't know what the plan is, whether we're going to start AD at the five and like, who's in LeBron at the 3-4 in some order, or whether we're going to start like a true center, AD at the 4, LeBron at the 3, and who's off the bench. I'm not really sure what the plan is, but worst case scenario with Eric Gordon, you know you have like a uh, one of the best bench scorers in the NBA who's just going to light it up from 3, and that fills a lot of needs for us. I think the guy that I would be okay with taking on would be DJ Augustine. Just if we strike out in point guards in general, he showed his uh, playoff medal last year by hitting the game winner against Toronto. Uh, he, he wasn't amazing last year, but he was solid for the Orlando Magic. Um, and he's only making $7 million. So if you can just take him into your salary cap space and then gain a second rounder or an extra asset from the Magic, that could work. And then you still have a bunch of money left to work with. Um, and I wouldn't be opposed to... Kelly Olynyk as well, just because he provides you that stretch five. He's like a poor man's Brooke Lopez, only making $11 million. And you again, you may get a Derek Jones or a Bam Adebayo or future pick out of taking him on. And he'd essentially just fit well with Anthony Davis in that stretch five role. So, um, okay, I think that'll do it for our pre-agency episode. Um, some other guys' names that I'd like to throw out to keep in mind would be Austin Rivers. Tabo Cephalosha, if we're talking about defending wings and guards. Damari Carroll is another good option. Uh, Jeremy Lamb. I think one thing that I'd like the Lakers to maybe take a look at outside of just going for the you know, veteran exception older players, I want them to try and take a stab at a reclamation project like guys like Emmanuel Moutier. We mentioned Willie Cauley-Stein before, Frank Kaminsky. I'd also find it intriguing to take on a guy like Jordan Bell, who kind of, you know, he was really promising to start off his career with the Warriors, but uh, kind of flamed out and apparently ordered some porn on Mike Brown's credit card <laughs> in the hotel room. Um, but even a guy like Dragon Bender, to be honest with you, 
I still think he you can find some promise in him. And I'd like the Lakers to take a stab at one of the younger prospects to sort of make up for the loss in young core that they had to, you know, ship out um, with Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, and the number four pick and Josh Hart. So if they can fulfill one of those and, and bring and take a stab at one of these reclamation projects who are still young, I think that'll benefit them in the now, but also in the future as well. And the last thing on DeAndre Jordan, the reason why I think all of us are high on DeAndre Jordan that we didn't mention is that the last year he averaged like four assists as a center and he also improved his free throw shooting percentage by like nine points. He shot 77% with the New York Knicks in 19 games and 68% with the Dallas Mavericks in 50 games. So I think just the added value of him being a better free throw shooter and one that you don't have to be afraid of in the clutch is tremendous. And then just him being a passing big man with the Knicks where he averaged three assists. And then I think towards the end of the year, he had games where he was dishing out nine assists, seven assists, five assists, four assists regularly. I think that part of his game is is uh, very tantalizing. So if he, if he can do that with Anthony Davis, I think the fit might be a little less clunky than we all think. Um, but yeah, with that said, that's our pre-agency episode. Tommy's chilling in Connecticut with his fiance. I am still in this hammock and Alan's still at home doing God knows what. <laughs> I don't know. But we all have coconuts. Drink that Vita Cocoa. That's what I'm oh, doing. Oh, Vita Cocoa. He's got that poor man's coconut. Uh, with that said, we'll catch you guys next time. Free agency is here. Uh, Kawhi Leonard, Kyrie Irving, Kemba Walker, D'Angelo Russell, D-Load Management. Here we come. Uh, with that said, please follow us on Twitter at Lakers Legacy Pod. Please also rate and review us on iTunes because the more you rate and review us. That's how many more Vita Cocos I'm going to drink this week. And that's how many Vita Cocos we'll have set up in the conference pitch rooms for all of these free agents because you know that's what they love to drink. Right, Alan? It's those antioxidants, dude. Egg. It's the electrolytes. Eggs. It's good for you. You actually do have a lot of Vita Cocos in your house, don't you? And there's that Bai brand too, B-A-I. Those are pretty good. Oh, I've never tried them. Bye! Oh! <laughs> Hey, that's, that's, a really, that's a really good sign-up. Let's end it there. Uh, Alan, I'll catch you later. Okay, bye. <laughs> Tommy? Bye. MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. 
What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.